Thank you all for being here this morning. It's always a pleasure when Pastor Ryan invites me to come share uh, with with what I think is family. You know, local city church is family to me. You guys are um, some of my best friends in the world. And so it's a real privilege whenever I get to share uh, what I feel like God is speaking to me or things he's put on my heart with uh, just my friends in the house, uh, with friends and family. So uh, this morning, the title of the message and what God's been putting on my heart is what's better? What's better? Uh, I, I read a few weeks ago a passage of scripture, and sometimes in your devotional or your time with the Lord, you read a passage, and then the next day you're on to the next thing, and you're like, what did I read? You know, And you just keep moving forward. Uh, but this passage has stuck with me for a couple of weeks. It's been something that I just keep coming back to and circling around and meditating on, uh, just because God's doing something in my heart. But I think it's something that's applicable to us uh, as a church, as a community, and something that we uh, can all grab a hold of. And there's something here for each one of us this morning. And... Uh, that particular passage of scripture is a little five-verse selection in the middle of the Gospel of Luke, and uh, it's Luke uh, 10, 38 through 42, and Jesus is at the height of his ministry and, and popularity. Uh, he's doing miracles. He's uh, preaching. Thousands of people are, are gathering whenever he speaks or, or whenever he shows up at a place. Miraculous things are happening around him. He's sending out the disciples and disciples on disciples. And, and he stops in the middle of his ministry at this house. And it says in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to zoom in on the life of Martha here, and not to pick on her, uh, because we all have moments where we could be better or do better, or maybe we go sideways with how we're acting or behaving or speaking or, or whatnot. But I think if we, if we zoom in here, we can get more than what's just on the surface. If I asked you what's better, obviously, right, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus receiving from him, we know the answer. Uh, but I think there's some practical steps along the way that we can learn if we dig a little deeper here this morning. So what I want us to do is not let me get in the way, but let God speak to us. So let's, in our minds as we pray over this word, let's, let's begin to posture ourselves and imagine ourselves in the scene, right? Sitting at the feet of Jesus this morning, I know we're in chairs in an auditorium, but if we can just for a minute escape in our minds and be there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the other guests in their home in Bethany this Sunday morning and imagine what we can take out of this and what we see. So let's close our eyes and go there as we pray. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for your son, Jesus, the things that we can learn from him when we pause and take a moment and sit at his feet and listen. I ask that you would prepare our hearts this morning to receive from you and that whatever it is we're supposed to hear today, we would hear it and receive it, but most importantly, act upon it. Father, help us to have a posture and an attitude of peace and acceptance in your house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this morning, I want to I wanna dive into 
a couple of specific things that we see here in the verse, the interaction between Martha and Jesus. And, and if we can pinpoint some, some areas, some moments where she could have chosen maybe something better that would have ended in a result that would have had Jesus speaking to her the way he spoke about Mary. I think first and foremost, we see in Luke 10, 40, uh, after the, the setting is kind of established, the Bible says that Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. When we uh, see this word distracted there in your notes, um, really what the Bible is telling us about Mary and, and what it's explaining in, in the original Greek is that she was mentally drawn away. And I think this is a really valuable lesson for us to recognize that Martha was there, right? She was in the room with Jesus face to face with him, but she was missing it because she was allowing herself to be mentally drawn away. The Bible doesn't tell us what that was, but I think it's important for us to know that it can happen. Like we can be in the midst of a moment with Jesus and not even recognize what's available to take a hold of because we're mentally somewhere else. I don't know what Martha uh, was caught up on. It, it, it might have been jealousy. Maybe she looked at Mary and started comparison and said, well, how come she gets to sit at the feet of Jesus and I have to be over here doing the dishes and sweeping the floor and preparing the meal? And, do, and you, your mind mentally wanders away from a potential moment in Jesus because I'm stuck in jealousy or distraction or comparison. Maybe it was performance, right? Maybe it's, oh my gosh, Jesus is coming to my house. He picked my house. I have, I have to clean everything up. I have to make sure there's no dishes in the sink. I have to make sure the floor is shiny. And I'll tell you what, everybody's got dishes in their sink and nobody's floor is shiny. But sometimes when Jesus gets into the picture, we start to try to clean ourselves up and make it look better than we are. And just like Pastor Joe was saying in communion, we feel like, oh, I've, I've got to clean it up before I can be with him. I've got I've to figure my stuff out before I can have a moment with God. I, I, I'm not good enough. Those other people, they've got it figured out. I just, I'll fix it. And then, well, no, G Jesus is right there anyways. Regardless of the condition of her house or the preparations or the meal or whatever, he had invited himself into that space and was ready to have a moment with her. It could have been, and this is something I struggle with, it could have been just the routine, right? She showed up and it was wake up, clean the floor, make the meal, set the table, do the thing, have the five minutes with Jesus, listen to the worship song, check, 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 had Jesus today. And, and you can get stuck in this routine of, oh man, I, I'm, I'm losing the, the magic, the aura, the, the sacredness, the holiness of an actual moment with Jesus. He's there and I missed it because I was just stuck in the custom, in the routine and Jesus is trying to step into this story and break up the structure of that with Martha, I think what's better in this situation, in this scenario, is being able to renew your mind. Scripture talks about this in, in Romans chapter 12, um, and it's a very meaty passage of Scripture. There's two verses that the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
I think that, at least for me, when I read that statement, that's, that's heavy, it's deep, there's a lot there to kind of like parse through and understand, okay, how do I renew my mind then? If, if I, I'm trying to avoid distraction or be, be resistant to being mentally drawn away from moments with Jesus, how, do, how does this process lay out? And I think there's a few things in this verse that we can pull out to make it more practical. The first is that I have to live in view of God's mercy. That's a perspective thing. And, and perspective is, is really created by the, the choice that we have of what lens we're going to look at certain circumstances and situations through. Am I looking at this person? Am I looking at this situation? Am I looking at this relationship in view of God's mercy? I just went to the eye doctor the other day, and you know they do the thing where they're like, one or two, three or four. Is this fuzzy? Okay, and they switch it back, right? Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We choose the fuzzier lens because it makes us feel good or it's convenient to the story we want to tell ourselves. And we're going to get to that with Martha in just a second. But what we have to do as believers and followers of Jesus, we have to look at people, look at situations continuously through a lens of God's mercy. I have revelation, right? I know that God died for me. I know where I was and where he's brought me to. And maybe even if those people don't know it yet, that's okay because I know it for them and I'm gonna treat them the way Jesus treats them and the way he treated me ahead of time because that's the way I need to renew my mind. I have to continually put that lens in front of what I see. In addition to that, I think we see, uh, he tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, I've heard it said and, and joked that the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it can climb off the altar uh, because it's alive. I think what that tells us is that as individuals before God, we, we have to be continually taking on a mindset of sacrifice. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It, it's not a one-time thing. And I think that that is the message of transformation here. The word transformed by the renewing of your mind is actually the, the Greek word where we get metamorphosis. It's this idea of a caterpillar going into a stage of transformation and then emerging as a butterfly. And I did some research on that, mostly just because I got super sidetracked while I was preparing for this message and read the science journal that I couldn't even tell you what it was. But I did, there was a sentence that I, that I wrote that caught me. And I love it when people are passionate about what they do and they share it with other people. This scientist was passionate about butterflies and metamorphosis and all that stuff. And what he said was the most beautiful and insightful thing. He said, the only thing keeping that caterpillar from becoming a but butterfly is its, its will to persist to persist through a transition, to persist through a struggle, to persist through some darkness. And I think that's so applicable to us when, when Paul uses that word, it's not an accident. There's a transformation that's available for your mind, but there is a persistence. It doesn't mean you always get it right. Certainly, I, I do not. There are situations or interactions that I have with people where I come home and I think about them for hours and I'm like, I wasn't good to that person. I could have done better there. But if I'm willing to persist, whether that means going back to that person or whether that means going back to that situation or doing something differently or just learning from that for the next time, then transformation is still churning, that I'm, I'm still becoming that butterfly. I didn't mean to say it that way, but you can imagine that. Um, I think that renewing your mind is, is so important here. And Martha presents the, the perfect non-example of being, being able to be distracted by something that simply doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. 
We continue on. We see one more uh, situation. Martha comes to the Lord then after her distraction with all of the chores and preparation. And she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Man, this hit me in the face as I was thinking about it. You ever ask God a question and then answer it for him? You tell him what the answer is? Lord, don't you care that my, of course you do. Let me tell, will you tell her like you're supposed to? Can I be God for a minute and tell you how to operate? Can I fill the space? I thought long and hard about this one because scripture is very clear about the other two, right? She's, she's clearly distracted and then she's worried and upset at the end. But, but here, what really God hit me with as I was kind of exploring and thinking about this is quite frankly, this is just pride. It's, it's just pride. Psalms 10 verse 4 says, in pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In that question, Martha made no room for Jesus to actually answer, intervene, and have a moment where he communicated something to her. And I think that's a lesson for all of us today is is in my quiet time, in my conversations with God, in the things, the questions, the deep things that I ask him or want or need, Am I making room for God, or am I telling him the answer that I want him to give me? And sometimes, for me, I, I, I really struggle with that, and I, I was reading through, well, okay, Lord, how do, how do I solve this? How do we go about adjusting this? Like, wh- what do we do here? And I read my favorite psalm, and it's Psalm 51, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but there's a beautiful passage at the end in verse 16 and 17, and it's, it's not on the screen, so I'm going to read it to you, but from the message translation, Eugene Peterson just writes this beautiful passage as he interprets the word. It says, going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered, heart shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. You know who didn't escape God's notice, Jesus' notice in that moment? Mary. What was the difference between the two in that moment? It was simply posture, not only physical, but a heart posture. Martha was standing over Jesus, telling him what he needed to hear and how he was going to fix her situation and she was going to solve that. Mary was sitting at his feet. She had put herself under Jesus' authority. She had laid herself down, and she was listening. She was receiving. I, I think that we are, are, are quick maybe to misunderstand sometimes what a heart-shattered life is or, or what, what humility really is, but what's better in this situation is humility. And, and how do we get there? C.S. Lewis illuminates this beautifully because I don't want us to misunderstand what a heart-shattered life is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not shaming myself. It's not talking bad about myself. It's not treating myself poorly when I mess up. It's choosing in moments to be intentional about thinking of myself less. I'm going to take a moment with Jesus here. I'm going to sit down and make it less about me and and more about whatever he's got to say at this particular time, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. That's the posture that we see here between the two sisters. And finally, we, uh, we get to the end of the passage. Jesus finally answers, right? And I just, I just love Jesus, right? You, 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 you expect, right, him to say, now listen here, Martha. 
You know, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is a gentleman. He's invited, or he goes where he's invited, and, and he moves when he's, he's graciously asked. He's not throwing condemnation here at Martha or putting her down or telling her who, who you are and who you ought to be and all this. He just says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. There's 10 times in scripture where there's a double name, right? Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, Lord, Lord. Martha is one of those 10. And I'm thankful for, for her for in that moment, because after every double name in scripture, there's some sort of miracle or revelation. And this is it right here, right? Like Jesus is taking his time preaching in front of thousands of people, doing miracles that are bringing him fame and acclaim, which is not why he was here, but nonetheless, people are following him. He's becoming popular. He's a well-known figure, and yet he's willing to get down individually and say, hey, Martha, Martha, I've, I've got some revelation for you individually. Here, here it is. You're worried about a lot of things, and I don't, I'm not minimizing that. Someone needs to cook the food. I'm hungry. No, I don't know if he said that. Someone needs to cook. Someone needs to clean. All those things need to happen. But there's really only one thing that's needed. What's better? Seeking my kingdom first. Sitting at my feet and, and listening. Because what we see is in the verse, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Why can't it be taken away from her? Because the investment that Mary was making in that moment was eternal. She was placing herself at a position to receive from Jesus and have supernatural revelation and transformation happen in her heart and in her life because she was present in the moment with Jesus. And Martha simply was not. And that doesn't make Martha a bad person. It just means in this moment, she was tied up with a lot of other things, and Mary had chosen to seek his kingdom first. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount that would have happened maybe just weeks or months before this interaction with Mary and Martha, Jesus says this famous passage of Scripture, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What are all of those things? Right before that, he talks about the birds of the air, how beautiful the birds of the air are and how, how beautifully they're clothed, the beautiful flowers that you see just naturally growing and how amazing they are, how the, the animals are taken care of. They never think about where a meal is coming from. He's, he says, if your heavenly father cares for the birds and the, the animals and the, the flowers of the field that are up one day and gone the next, won't he care about you too? Won't he take care of those things? So, so what's the one thing? What's better? Seek that. He says, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's not to minimize the seriousness of certain things or how important they are in our lives and the attention that we need to pay to them. Because obviously, I hope all of us want to be excellent in the things that we do, whether it's relationships or parenting or our work or whatever it is. But if we're, if we're really sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening today, there's only one thing that matters, like the most. It says in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not they might be filled, not they could be filled, for they will be filled. 
And I think that Mary in that moment was hungering and thirsting for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's Jesus. And so as she's pursuing that, we, we look back and we think about a passage of scripture that's become known and marked as the invitation to the thirsty. Uh, in Isaiah 55, there's a passage uh, of scripture, and I'm going to read part of it. I'm going to read verse 1 and then from 6 through, through 11. But I, I want us to, to go back in time. I want us to close our eyes. I'm in Bethany, right? Or if you want to like it, make it more local, town and country, right? I don't know. Lutes. I'm in a house. My friend has invited me over. She's cooking the meal, and Jesus is there. And I'm just imagining this moment. This interaction between this family and Jesus is there, and Martha comes to this revelation. You're right, Jesus. That is what's better. My sister has chosen right, and, and I'm going to pause for a minute, and, and I'm going to sit at your feet. I'm going to shift my, my lens a little bit. I'm going to renew my mind with you. I'm going to take a posture of humility. And as you sit there at, at the dinner table with them, Jesus decides he's, he's going to quote one of his favorite passages from Isaiah that he's memorized from the scrolls in the temple. And just keep your eyes closed and put yourself in the scene. Jesus starts speaking. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is the word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Mary and Martha. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting dynamic, right? We see a person that is getting it right and a person that's still figuring it out. And that's all of us here. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we're just still figuring it out. Jesus is working on us. But be willing to transform your mind. Be willing to reassume that posture of humility. Be willing to invite yourself into the presence of Jesus and seek him first because he will meet you there. He will show up. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. The word that will come from his mouth will achieve the purpose that he sets forth for it if you're willing to listen and not, not take the the step of maybe answering the question for Jesus and going about it that way. Let's pray over this time together before we worship as a house just to close out this morning. Lord, we're so thankful for you, for the stories of, of scripture and the things that you teach us. Father, help us to choose what's better. 
Help us right now in this moment to, to put aside all distraction, to forget who our friends are that are here and where we're going for lunch and all that other stuff and just focus in on what's better. Just a moment with you and push everything aside, assume a, a posture of humility and listen. Help us to seek you right now and, and even this brief moment of worship that you might reveal something to us about your nature or about ourselves. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.